This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, September the 12th, 2017. And if you are anywhere in the southeast as I am, you were probably affected by Hurricane Irma. I know Florida got hit really, really bad. Um, Atlanta, we got hit on yesterday. My power got knocked out for about 10 hours. But thankfully, everyone that I know is safe. My son's safe. I'm safe. So in the end, that's all that matters. It was kind of inconvenient to uh, be without power for 10 plus hours. We actually had to drive around and try to find a place to eat, which took us about an hour because we had to go to the other side of town that actually still had power. Um, We got up to about 50 mile an hour winds, a lot of rain, some trees down. Uh, Unfortunately, some people in Atlanta lost their lives. I think total there were four uh, deaths, uh, all related to trees falling on cars and houses. Uh, So, you know, my thoughts and prayers out to those families. It's tragic uh, that, you know, you don't expect a storm to hit Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, if it's a hurricane that started somewhere else and it got downgraded to a, a uh, tropical storm here in uh, Atlanta. But, you know, 50 mile an hour winds are definitely nothing to uh, take lightly. And unfortunately, some people lost their lives here in Atlanta on yesterday. So I, I got to be honest, I'm I'm running on zero sleep. I literally did not sleep Monday night. Uh, some of it had to do with, you know, the, the whole power and the storm coming through. Some of it had to do with, I got a million things on my mind. I'm working on a bunch of projects, but the main thing that kept me up and I had a chance to reflect while I was sitting in the dark, the main thing that kept me up, of course, yesterday was the 16th. Can you believe it? The 16th anniversary of September 11th. Now, Unless you're my son's age, he's 16 on the dot, you don't remember what happened on September 11th, 2001. But of course, you've seen it on the news, you've read about it, you've heard about it, you've talked about it. But unless you lived it, unless you were there that day, unless you were aware of what was going on that day, I don't think you will ever appreciated and ever really understand how to this day 16 days later it still affects people so I I was sitting in the dark and I was really mad because I had a whole bunch of stuff to do I couldn't get any work done Uh, of course my laptop had died my iPad had died my cell phone was dying I had to go sit in the car in the dark garage to charge it Uh, but you know I was getting real upset about not having any power and then it, it hit me, you know, this this quiet came over me and I I thought about something that I'd never thought about before. Now, I can remember September 11th, 2001, like it was yesterday. I can tell you where I was standing or should I say where I was sitting at 546 a.m. because I was in California at the time 
when I heard that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. So let me back up about five minutes before that. I had um, gotten dressed. I was in the Army at the time. My wife at the time was feeding my son, who was four months old. I remember kissing her, kissing him on the forehead, getting in my car, and as I got down the street and made a right-hand turn to head to work, on the radio they said, hey, a plane has just hit the World Trade Center. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a horrible, horrible, horrible joke because the station I listened to, they always played these practical jokes. And I was like, well, this crap's not even funny. So I switched to station. And guess what? Hey, a plane has just hit the World Trade Center. So I'm thinking, man, what the heck is going on? Now, keep in mind, I'm in the Army at this point. So by the time I get to work, the 25, 30-minute uh, drive to work, we get in there, we start turning on the other TVs, and bam, the other plane hits the World Trade Center. So, of course, at this point, we know what's going on. We're in the military. We're at a military intelligence, counterintelligence unit. We kind of know what's going on. So I remember calling my wife. She's watching it on the phone, or I'm sorry, on the TV. Of course, you couldn't watch stuff on the phone back then. Um, she's watching it on the TV. And I told her, I said, listen, I don't know when I'm going to be home. And that was a very, 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 very long day that extended to the next day and some part into the next day before I actually got home to see my family. And as I was sitting here yesterday uh, in the dark complaining, it hit me. You know, I can remember where I was. Most people can remember where they were. They can remember what they were doing. They can remember the pictures of people falling out of the window, jumping out of the window, if you will. They can remember President Bush's face and his speech. But they didn't think about what was going on inside that building. Now, think about this for a second. While I was complaining about it being dark and not having power for 10 minutes or 10 hours, I'm sorry. Imagine what those people in the World Trade Center thought for those 102 minutes in the dark before the World Trade Center collapsed to the ground. Not only was it dark, and you can hear from accounts of 911 calls where people say they can't see anything, it's pitch black because it was covered in smoke. Not only was it dark, it was hot, very hot. You had jet fuel, you had fire. So for 102 minutes, these people sat in the dark before they collapsed to their death, minus the ones that couldn't take it and decided to jump out of the World Trade Center. So I immediately, when I thought about that, said I need to shut the hell up and stop complaining because at the end of the day, I'm still here, I'm still alive, and my family is still alive. And then I started thinking about the first responders from that day, September 11, 2001. And then I, I, I think about what first responders, especially police, go through in this day and age. As soon as police show up, they're hated, they're racist, they're thugs, they're this, they're that. Nobody respects police. 
But who was it? Who was it on September 11, 2001, while everyone was running away from the building? Who was it that ran towards it? It was the first responders. It was police who to this day, police are dying 16 years later because of diseases that they caught looking for survivors. But yet in this country, people want to disrespect police. They want to shoot police. They want to fight police. You got some athletes that want to kneel or take a seat at the uh, during the national anthem. But yet and still, you had all of these officers running to danger. You know what was the beauty in September 11th, if you can think there was beauty in it? If you go back and you look at some of the old footage from that, there was no black, there was no white. It was Americans helping each other out. It was Americans in need. It was Americans who came to help other Americans. But they didn't only just help Americans. That's what's so great about this country that no one realizes, especially when it relates to first responders and police. They don't just go in and help a particular color. They didn't go in that World Trade Center and say, oh, you're black. Your black life doesn't matter. I'm not saving you. I don't recall anybody coming out of that saying that's what happened. You didn't see a firefighter say, whoop, you're black. You can't get on my ladder. I don't recall that. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. You can go back and look for it yourself. But first responders were helping everyone on that day. So if you fast forward 16 years, I'm not understanding how we got to the point where we're at where everybody is at odds with each other in this country. You're on one side, you're on this side. You you believe in this, you believe in that. You voted for them, I can't talk to you. You didn't vote for them, I can't talk to you. Where the hell did we go from September 11, 2001 to September 11, 2017, where this whole country is at each other's throats Over what? Well, I personally will never, ever, ever forget September 11, 2001. And for those that do, I pity you because the second we forget is the second we can allow it to happen again in this country. Not in London. Not in Paris. In this country. It's happened before. It can very well happen again. All right, so I want to switch gears. I want to take it out to Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm sure by now you heard that uh, NFL uh, player Michael Bennett was uh, detained by Las Vegas police, and now, of course, uh, it's been blown into this big racist thing and uh, that the cops were racist and they just targeted him because he's a black man. And that's the only reason they put him on the ground and uh, in Michael Bennett's words, used excessive force. Now, first of all, I don't know if you've seen the video. Uh, I didn't see any excessive force there. I did see a very standard 
technique of placing someone in handcuffs. They're pruned out on the ground. You put the hands behind their back. You put the handcuffs on, and you stand them up. That's what I saw. I didn't see any excessive force, nor did I hear the officer say, I'm going to shoot you, MF, or whatever the circumstances Michael Bennett said, the officer said. But it got blown into this big racist thing uh, by Michael Bennett and a few other players. And now, of course, the uh, Las Vegas police are asking Roger uh, Goodell, the NFL commissioner, to investigate Michael Bennett uh, based on his statements that the officers were racist. And, you know, it's a a bad uh, thing to say about uh, the officers there in Vegas. But let me break this down for you. And just don't take my word for it. Again, go watch the video for yourself it's out there online las vegas police were responding to an active shooter that was the nature of the call active shooter it didn't say active nfl player it didn't say active big tall black nfl player it was an active shooter so as these officers approach they see michael bennett who plays for Seattle, doesn't play for Las Vegas. Maybe the officers didn't know who he was, even if they did. Active shooter. Quite frankly, I don't care if it's Jesus, Peter, Paul, Mary, Joseph, any of the 12 disciples. If I hear active shooter and you make movements to make me believe you are said shooter, I'm going to put you on the ground and handcuff you. It's that simple. So police arrive. Michael Bennett's hiding behind this uh, slot machine or whatever it was. He's dug down. As police start approaching, guess what Michael Bennett does? He runs. Hmm. Okay. So let me rewind. Active shooter. Let me fast forward. Guy hiding, kneeling down by a slot machine. Police approach. He runs. Oh, I'm a police officer. I'm responding to an active shooter. This guy sees me and he doesn't put his hands up and say, I'm not the guy. He runs. So guess what I do? I chase because I'm thinking this could be the suspected said active shooter. So police prone him out as they're supposed to, especially when you think you're dealing with someone that's an active shooter. Let me say it again. Active shooter. That means someone has a gun and they are actively shooting it. So they prone him out. They put him in handcuffs. And they find out it's not him. And he's released. And according to the Las Vegas police, Michael Bennett understood what happened and why it happened. And everything was supposedly fine until the next day when he was targeted simply for being a black man. So in the uh, union letter to the NFL commissioner, uh, it, it says in there that the police had reasonable suspicion to detain Bennett while they determined if he was a suspect, which by law. And remember, I've said it a thousand times on this show, the law of the land, which by law they did. They had a call about an active shooter. Michael Bennett ran. They thought he may be involved in the shooting because usually innocent people don't run from police. 
It's that simple. They just don't. So they had a guy running. They detained him. It wasn't him. And I, I think if this wasn't so serious, it'd be kind of comical that the officers, both officers, are actually Hispanic, but yet the race card is being played here. Yeah, 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 I get it. Hispanic guys can be racist. White guys can be racist. Black guys can be racist. But come on now. At what point do we just have to say, look, everything that police do is not racist. Now Hispanic guys are being accused of being racist. Isn't that ironic? Don't you think that's ironic in this country? Because haven't they been the brunt of some racism in this country, Hispanic people? Haven't they been the brunt of some racial jokes in this country, Hispanic people? I think they have. So now any officer, any officer that is not black is now somehow racist. So does that mean an African officer would have been racist in this situation? Because technically, technically they're not a black American. They are African Does that mean they would have been racist in this situation or would it have meant the same thing that these two Hispanic officers did when they arrived to the scene of the call? Because remember, crime brings police, not color. I assure you, if you go listen to the 911 call of the active shooter, it did not say, hey, there's this tall guy. And I think he plays for the Seattle Seahawks. And I think his name is Michael Bennett. And I think he's going to be hiding behind the slot machine. And I think he's going to run from you. So that's the guy. No. The call was active shooter. He ran. Police chased. Five minutes later. Oh, you're not the shooter. Okay, we apologize. But we had a right to detain you. Now, I I like Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, but I really don't like the statement he made. I'm going to read just a small part of it. He says, to see him on the ground like that, there's not much more words to say than it's terrifying and it's unacceptable based on the situation. Michael is a good guy. He's a guy that is trying to stand up for something good, trying to stand up for love and bringing people together, not hate. Who threw the word hate in this situation? These police officers didn't just roll up on Michael Bennett and say, hey, dude, we hate you. Hey, Holmes, since they're Hispanic, if we want to make it this way. Hey, Vato. Hey, Holmes, we hate you, man. We're going to send you to jail, man. No, that's not what happened. So how did hate get into the equation? Nothing that happened in Las Vegas had anything to do with hate. It had to do with a call for service from the police. It happened to be the wrong guy. Does it happen quite often? Yes. But again, innocent people don't run from police. Have police detained the wrong person? Yes, it happens. But a reasonable assumption of what you believe to be a suspect at the time does not make it hateful nor does it make it racial. You know, I'll be curious to see how how this ends up, because I'm sure it's going to pick up steam, especially with Kaepernick 
kneeling at the national anthem and the Cleveland Browns, you know, doing their thing during the national anthem. Now this incident with Michael Brown, everybody's going to say, yes, police are racist. Now they're just targeting NFL players just because we're NFL players and we don't stand up for the national anthem. But nobody's taking accountability for their actions, including Michael Bennett. Now, I love what he does on the field. He's a great player. But to Russell Wilson's point, if he's standing up for good and he's trying to do what's right, well, admit your part in it. Take ownership for what you did to make these officers think you were involved in this active shooter. Instead of pointing the finger and saying right off the bat is racist. Because guess what, Michael Bennett? Guess what, Russell Wilson? Had I shown up and Michael Bennett was crotched down behind the slot machine, and then as I approached him, he started running, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to prone him out on the ground, and I'm going to place handcuffs on him. Guess what? Am I racist? Or am I investigating an active shooter? Let me give that definition again. Someone has a gun and they are actively shooting it around people. And what usually happens with an active shooter is they shoot people. People die. So why would I not go after the guy who ran from the scene? Now, I know what some people are saying, right? Well, Michael Bennett's an NFL star. He he couldn't have been involved in the shooting. Well, obviously he wasn't, but do you remember the name Aaron Hernandez? He was an NFL player. Look where he is now. Or should I say, look where he was now. Do you remember the name Ray Carruth? He was an NFL player. Look where he is now. Robert Roger, you probably don't remember him because he played years and years ago, but he is in prison. Convicted serial killer. So just because someone's in a certain profession doesn't mean they don't enjoy that street life, doesn't mean that they're not above doing crimes. So for all of those that say, well, it's Michael Bennett, he would never be involved in that. Yeah, people didn't think Aaron Hernandez would kill someone and then have it on his home surveillance video and be stupid enough to leave shell casings in the car he rented in his name and the bubblegum wrapper that had his DNA on it either. But it happened. But it happened. All right, we are just about out of time. And of course, you know, I always end my show with a 10-7 segment. And for my first time listeners, 10-7 in police lingo means end of watch. It's usually reserved for when you are off duty, but it's also the call sign when an officer is killed in the line of duty and the dispatcher will come on the radio and say uh, 10-7 and give the officer's name and information and say they're signing off 10-7 for the remainder, which means basically forever. Um, Tonight would be impossible to read all the names I want to read because there's 850, 850 first responders, 
Some died that day. Some died years later. Some died on September 11th. One recently died on September 7th of 2017. 16 years almost to the date. He died based on an illness, a disease that he got going in to save lives because that's what we do. That's what makes us special. That's what puts us in a class of our own because it takes a very special person to be on your way home and to get a call about the World Trade Center being hit by a plane. And since you can't get across the bridge by car, you run back to the danger. It takes a very special person to do that. So I want to say Godspeed to all 850 first responders who lost their lives. Many on September 11, 2011, many years later, and many, many more to come that are still sick, that are still diagnosed, that still know they're going to die based on saving lives. Godspeed to you. Thank you for paying the ultimate sacrifice. We will never, ever forget. At least I won't. I want to thank you for listening. As always, I'm Vincent Hill. Thank you and good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is Jim Fannin, America's Zone Coach, and I'm excited about bringing my new podcast, The Jim Fannin Show, to RadioInfluence.com. Each week, we're going to talk about the zone and how this mindset can help you in all facets of your life. I'll give you all the tools you need to change your life and help guide you to become your genuine, authentic best self. With the only proven blueprint for attracting the zone mindset, I've helped transform millions of lives. In my 40 years of experience, I've coached CEOs and senior executives from 350 of the Fortune 500 companies in 50 different industries. I've coached professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hall of Famers, all pros, all stars, entertainers, and so many more to help them gain the tools and techniques to create a life of simplicity, balance, and abundance. And now it's my privilege to bring these methods to you every week, along with some of my champion good friends as special guests. If you want to get in the zone in all you do, check out The Jim Fannin Show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 